Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. And so the kids are going to be in here this morning? Okay. So my chosen section is over here today. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. I would suggest, strongly urge you, if you have not, sign up, get on Version, which is a Bible app. It's called Version. Go right now. We will have Wi-Fi in here, so get on to your Wi-Fi and go to Internet, or you can download it through the Google or iPhone apps, and it's called Version. If you'll go there right now, you'll actually have the scriptures and the notes that I'll be using this morning, okay? And this will really help you because there's a place there where you can actually put in your own notes and you can go back afterwards and hear and and rehearse again what you heard this morning, okay? You version, you version. It'll really help you out. Now, having said that, I'm going to use a different translation than I normally use. It's one of my favorite. I actually use this for my Bible reading, personal Bible reading. Um, I'm going to use the One New Man Bible. One New Man Bible. Uh, it's not on you version. That's probably the only translation it doesn't have, probably. But it is. It is written with the under the auspices of a Jewish translation by Jewish authors, and it really brings the culture into it. So Proverbs chapter four. Everyone say, protect your heart. Protect your heart. You know, a lot of people can get really uh, hurt. In their lives, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. But in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, I'm going to read this out of the One New Man Bible. Above all that you do, excuse me, above all that you guard, guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. Put away from you a wicked mouth and perverse lips far from you. Verse 25, let your eyes look right. On and let your eyelids look straight before you. Level the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now, all of us have been disappointed by other people. You have not lived unless somebody has let you down at some point in your life. We all have been attacked, we've been persecuted, we've been disappointed, we've been lied to, we've had promises broken, we've had folks walk out of our lives. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We've been misunderstood, we've been manipulated, we've been cut off, we've been ignored. We've been laughed at. We've been talked about. We've been lied about. We've been crushed. We've been broken hearted over these things. 
No one is exempt from this. So my question to us today is, how as Christians do we move forward from this place? Some people do it successfully, others do not. How do we protect ourselves because we know that it's going to happen again? Yes, you're going to get lied on again. Yes, someone's going to walk out of your life. Yes, someone's going to disappoint you. It's going to happen. As far as I know, I've never met a perfect person except Jesus. So how do we prepare ourselves for the next thing that comes into our lives? Protect your heart. Solomon wrote this, Proverbs, and he was speaking in the context of this particular uh, proverb about wisdom, about taking wisdom. And so what Solomon does is he gives us wisdom on how to live life victoriously with all of the junk that comes our way. But let's look at this. He says, above all that you guard, guard or protect your heart. Now, before I can get into the things that he actually talks about, we need to understand what the heart is all about. Obviously, we have a physical heart. The Bible uses it symbolically to express who we are. It's the center of our being. Is that correct? Without a heart, you don't live. Right? So the heart is the center of life. It's our thoughts. It's our, uh, it's our emotions. It's our soul. It's who we are. That's our heart. And he says, I want you to protect it. The Bible actually says that it's the seat of our faith. For with the heart a man believes and then confesses with his mouth. So without a heart, without these emotions, these feelings, we can't even have faith. Faith comes from within our heart. It's the center of all of our emotional being, our, our physical being. It, 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 it's our intellect. It's our moral values. Everything is centered in our heart. So obviously it's very important that we understand what our heart is and then learn how to protect it. Tell the person beside you, I'm going to learn how to protect my heart. Has any, in the list of the things I've just mentioned, has anybody escaped any of these? If you do, raise your hand right now. You've escaped all these? Wow. So our heart, this, as, as Solomon says, is, is the center of what he's telling us. He says you need to learn, you need to know how to guard, to protect your heart. Now, again, sometimes, you know, you remember when little kids, or you have children, and how easily... Their heart will be, can be broken. Just a drop of the hat and they start crying. Mommy, my friend said this. And that. You know, and, and, they, and, they just, and, they, and they're, they're bruised for a moment, but they learn how to regain their composure. I guess as a teacher, elementary teacher, you saw a lot of this with the little children. They, they would bruise one another with things that they said and did, but they learned how to... to, to uh, walk a path that would not necessarily cause them to escape, but help them to deal with these things to guard their heart. It's, it's, I believe God puts it in every, every uh, 
human being. So we've got to learn how to guard our emotions. We've got to learn how to guard our and protect and maintain our heart. Because you see, the Bible teaches us that the heart is the filter of life. As a it's sort of like uh, the you know if, if there's you know they have to cleanse the blood so that it's good for the heart so the heart does it pumps but it's for us it's a filter because the Bible says that it fl- out of it flows life itself. In fact, it says out of it are the issues. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Right. So we've got to protect it. Say, I'm learning about my heart today. Now, Jesus put it really simply. Now, listen to me carefully. He put it in Matthew 12, 34. He said, what flows from your heart is what's in your heart. He talks about the brood of vipers. You said, how could you evil men like you speak what is good and right for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So whatever's in your heart, you're going to eventually say it. The problem is, is we don't always listen to our own words. It's easy to detect in someone else, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, then we go get crazy and try to correct them, and then, you know, we're in a mess again. My point is this, is the heart's secrets are betrayed by the mouth. The heart's secrets are betrayed by the mouth. So we've got to be very careful. And this leads me up to the first point that Solomon talks about in verse 24. He says, put away from you a wicked mouth and put, and put, preserve, put perverse lips far from you. So what is Solomon saying in this verse? He's saying, watch your words. Watch your words. If you want to guard, protect your heart, you've got to watch your words. So control your words. Don't let your words control you. Have you ever gotten a little ticked off and you said something that you shouldn't have said? And then you're having to go back and apologize and clean up the mess. And I know you men don't, we men don't do a good job of that, but we try. But our words, our, our words, we need to control them. My, my, and this, I, and I'm probably go too far to the other side with this, but my wife knows that I, I am extremely careful with what I say. Because I understand that once it's out there, it's out there. Fellas, you've ever said something to your wife that was so dumb, and she looked at you and you're thinking, you're out, you're reaching, trying to get the words back. But like, it's too late. They've already gotten into her ears. And you know, ladies never forget. They got a memory bank that won't quit. I mean, they can tell you, know, they can tell you every discussion you had, where it was, what you had to eat that night, the clothes you were wearing, and exactly what you said. So, fellas, you just have to be careful with your words because once they're out there, they're out there, and there ain't nothing you're going to do about it. Am I telling the truth? Fellas, can I hear an amen? amen. Is, is that, am I the only 
man that ever hit stupid button. So he says, you've got to learn how to protect your words. He says in here, he says, put them away from you. Now, I found that very interesting because this is like written in Hebrew. And so the Hebrew has a lot of little nuances in the word itself. And it literally means to turn off, to call back, or to pluck up. So Solomon tells us that we need to put away. Now, in other words, it didn't just zip it. You mean sometimes you need to go back and retract your statements. Have you ever had to do that with the Lord? Say, Lord, I am so sorry. Yeah. He says, and put away this, these, these wicked words. That's crooked. In other words, they're just not straight. But what I found interesting, he says in this text, put perverse lips far from you. That means, number one, devious words. Number two, it means babbling words. And number three, it means lip service. That's all in that one little word, perverse. And so I challenge us as believers, as Solomon is saying here, if you want to protect your heart, you're going to have to shut up sometimes and quit babbling and what we running off at the mouth and saying things that you're going to regret later. If you really want to protect... Now, isn't this interesting? Usually when we do the babbling and all this other stuff, it's towards someone else. But Solomon says, no, it affects you. It affects you as much as it affects the person that you're directing your babbling towards, the lip service. Wow. And then he says in here that, you, that, he want, that, we, should, that we should put it away and that put these things far from us. Are you with me? Everyone say, watch what you say. Say it again, watch what you say. I, I thought of an example. I, I looked up a text in, in Exodus chapter 22, 28, and it says in there, it says, um, you shall not curse God, nor curse the ruler of your people. Now, there's a lot of ways you can use words to curse God. You can call him a liar by saying that what he says in his words is not true. Like when you see when his name is Healer. And you say, well, you know, sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. No, you just called him a liar. And you've cursed God. <laughs> in, in the political times of our day, don't you know that some people get a little upset when they don't like our current leadership? Well, I have never, I, I didn't like my past leadership. Wasn't fond of the one behind that one. But you don't go around cursing them. The Bible says you bless them, you pray for them. Don't talk about them. You do good. Let me give you an example. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. It says in there in the New Living Translation, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Oh, man, that's so hard. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Instead of cursing people, bless them. This is so foreign to so many people. I don't want to bless them. They, you know what they did to me? They've broken my heart. They've run out of my life. You know, we were engaged and then he just cut it off and went out with another woman. No, I'll never bless. 
Bless them. Otherwise, you're going to keep a broken heart. And that's where I'm going today. Scripture says that God, through Jesus Christ, and it says it in the New Testament also, he came to seek the lost, bring back the scattered, mend the broken. And we don't talk about this a lot and heal the sick. We talk about that a lot, but we don't talk about mending the broken. The fact of the matter is that probably there is a portion of most everyone's life, heart, in this room today that you have a place of brokenness where something or something, someone has, has hurt you through whatever was said or done and there is a broken place in your heart. Oh, it got quiet here. So number one, what do you want to do to protect your heart? Watch your words. It should be in your notes on the U version. Watch your words. Number two, he says in the next verse, and I've got, okay, let me get back to it. I'll get ahead of myself. He says in verse 25, let your eyes look right on, and let your eyelids look straight before you. And that sounds a little weird, you know, when you read it in that close proximity to the Hebrew, but that's what it says. What, what was Solomon saying? Let's read it. Look, let your eyes look right on, and let your eyelids look straight before you. You know what he was saying? If you want to protect your heart, mind your own business. Look at the person beside of you and say, you need, we just need to mind our own business. So if you're going to protect your heart, you're going to have to mind your own business. In other words, stay out of everybody else's business. I'm not answerable to you or nor accountable to you for what you do and the choices you make. So just stay out of folks' business. That's what he means when he says look straight ahead. Because he, we have to have eyes to do that. And so what we do, we have, we, we, what we see is how we perceive. And that's how we judge. And if you want to have an unbroken heart, we're going to have to learn to stay out of other people's business. My question to us is, is what's our focus? Is your focus on, is your focus on you or someone else? You know, it's always easy to blame someone else for your problem. But Solomon says, if no, if you want to protect your heart, you're going to have to learn to keep your eyes on your own stuff and just stay away from those things. Tell somebody, just stay, just stay away. Just don't get involved with that. And Jesus put it this way. He said this in Matthew 5. He said, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose the part, one part of your body than to have your whole body go, get thrown into hell. So when you mind your own business, that means you're going to avoid finding fault in someone else. I know some need deliverance in the house today. And don't you be, don't, hey, wives, don't be digging on your husband's ribs with your elbow right now. Somebody's going to go out here with broken ribs. We've got to stop finding fault. Listen, I think this could be generational. But that's still no excuse for that to happen. 
We have to learn not to find fault in other people. If you see a fault, don't pay attention to it. Solomon didn't say that. That came straight from the Deeds Bible. In other words, Jesus put it this way. He said, why do you look the speck that's in your eye? In the other, why do you look the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? I saw a picture of the other day. It was interesting. It was, I don't remember. It was, I think it must have been Facebook. And this fellow had this big old log. I mean, literally, it was a big stake or something in his eye. And it, did you remember seeing that? And I thought of that when I was, after I'd already prepared this, I thought, how, how appropriate is that? We walk around with these big old things in our eyes and looking, trying to find some fault in someone else. Have you ever met someone just to, wants to pick over everything? They, don't have, they have a heart that's broken. May I suggest if you have these propensities that maybe there's a broken place in your heart. Oh, it got quiet again. That's what he's talking about. So avoid, avoid the fault finding. So number one, what do we do to, have, to protect our heart? Watch your words. Number two, thank you. Mind you, she said, mind your own biswax. I don't know what, we say that, well, I don't know what it means, but mind your own business. Just kind of look at somebody and give them one of those little snap head jerk looks and say, just mind your own business. <laughs> oh, the church would be better off if we just learned how to mind our own business. We wouldn't have as many broken hearts. Then in verse 26, and I'm going to wrap this thing up because this is an unusual day. In verse 26, it says, Level the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Level the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Now, if you just read that, man, it just, it'll, it'll fly right over your head and we won't pick up on what Solomon's trying to say because he didn't say it like we would say it. He was saying it like you would a couple thousand years ago, and you were king of, it, of Israel. It's so easy to overlook. So what was he saying? He was saying, choose your path of life carefully. Choose your path of life carefully. See, no one else can choose your path. There is no one. Now, the enemy will try to send people into your life that will try to deflect you from your proper path of life. But ultimately, you and I are still responsible on how we choose. Choose the path of life properly, carefully. And, the, and, the, and what Paul is, uh, not what Solomon is saying here, I liken it. You've heard the old uh, verbiage, like a bull in a china shop. People who live that way are prone to many accidents. My friends, you don't act when when life comes at you. And it seems overwhelming. Don't act like a bull in a china shop. Can you picture that for a minute? With a bull inside of it. They're crushing and tearing up everything. Just trying to get out of the situation. Solomon is saying you've got to be careful and choose correctly the things that matter for your life. In other words, you actually have to think through your decisions. We have to think through our choices. 
You just don't fly into things abruptly and think that, that it's okay. No, we have to choose. Tell the person beside you, you just need to make better choices. It says in here, level the path of your feet. It didn't say walk on a level path. It said, no, you make your path level. That means to be purposeful in your life. If all you do is get up and go to work, come home, watch TV, and go to bed, and you routine this every day after day after day after day, you might call it boredom. I call it foolishness. We need to choose what we do and make sure that what we do with our lives are purposeful. Right? We have to make that decision ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of ways, but the one I thought about the most as far as choosing a purposeful life, path, life of path, or path of life, rather, I know this is going to sound really too simple, but I think it works. Think about other people. I hate to be simpleton, but the way you live a purposeful life is to stop thinking about your foolish old self all the time and your little needs and your little qualms and your little hiccups and your little, little bruises and your little problems and actually think about someone else. What a novel idea. Wow, it's like this world has other people in it besides me. Because many in the body of Christ, all they see is themselves in this world. And what their, what their need is at that moment. Now, I know it's not here. I just put that up front. I know that doesn't, that doesn't happen here at all. I understand that. Everyone here is so selfless and so prudent and so wise. And we're so giving and sharing. And we, we, just, we just think about everyone else. Before, and we always put them first over ourselves, don't we? Yeah, we're always thinking about other people and how we can help them rather than our little problem, right? We, that's just the way we are at this church, right? I, I, I smell some smoke burning in here. That's what we used to say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> yeah. This may sound simple, but we've got to choose our life carefully on how we live it. So quit, listen, reckless living. Reckless living will lead to accidents. Try explaining why you were texting when you ran in the back of someone else. That's reckless driving, right? It's reckless living. It's when you're paying attention to your little world and no one else's. I'm preaching better than some of you get it. Let me give you a scripture. You know, I love to support this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. And this is from the Message Bible. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to, ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Now, do I need to say any more? Think about his days of ministry. 
He never said anything or did anything for himself. His whole life circumvented the lives of everyone within his sphere of influence. Maybe we ought to follow that example. And then I believe we can have our hearts mended. So make your way firm. Make it fixed. And so I want to say this. Brace for the real things that are going to come your way. Now, and I didn't know how to approach this. I really don't because it's individual. It's based on your individuality, your personality. How do you, you know, we have to learn how to brace for the next negative event that could break our heart. Because don't you think we could go overboard? For instance, let's, let's say, let's, and I'm going to pick out a single. You're single, right? Still single? You're going to stay single a long time. A long time. But let's just suppose some hulk of a man stepped into your life, chased you down, did everything right, said everything right, looked like the perfect man, and then he dumps you. If he does, you call me. I'll take care of that boy. After your dad and your mom take care of me, it'll be, I'll be the second dose. But anyway, now you have to choose. Am I going, how am I going to guard, I'm just picking you out. How am I going to protect my heart from a future incident? Now there's a couple ways you could go. The worst way you could go is say, all right, all men stink. They're jerks. I don't want anything to do with them. Ain't never going to be another man. And you know that's a lie. But you get this chip on your shoulder like you've got to guard and protect yourself, like you've got to be some kind of macho woman with the head snapping, you, you in charge kind of woman, and that ain't going to work either. So that's one route you could go. You, could get, you can cop an attitude because your heart's been... Broken. Or you can brace yourself like Solomon is teaching us and say, you know what? Next time I'll be better prepared. And you guard your heart. So when he comes, and he will, when he comes, then you'll be ready to take the risk that comes in relationships. Because, my friends, every relationship has a risk. Now, this is particularly hard. Can I ramble for a moment? This is particularly hard for, for pastors. I love you people immensely. You know that. I really do. I love you so much that I can't be your best friend. Because if I become your best friend, I'm no longer your pastor and I can't speak into your life. And I, you understand this here, but this is an issue because a lot of places put a lot of demands on a pastor on what they think he ought to be. But what happens, now think about this as a pastor. Now, other than family, 
Who else does a pastor go to for relationships if he doesn't go to the church? Let that sink in. Fortunately, for most men, I can't speak for women, for most men, one or two men in my life is really all I want or need. Outside of y'all, outside of family, I don't need a lot of male camaraderie. I enjoy it, but they ain't going to be my best friends. In fact, I don't even know what a best friend is. How do you, how do you, how do you define a best friend? I mean, that's like being, that's almost, that's almost like being like racist or something. You know what I'm saying? How, how do you pick? Well, you're my best friend. You know, no, you're just a friend. But my point is this, and I'm going to try to wrap this up. But my point is this, is that we've got a brace for these pitfalls. Okay. So, last thing he told. Now, what was the first thing he told us to do to protect our heart? Watch your words. Number two, mind your own business. What's number three? Choose your path of life carefully. Number four is in verse 27. Do not turn to the right hand nor to the left. Now, this could be confusing if you didn't think about it for a minute. Remove your foot from evil. How do you not turn your right hand or to your left hand? I mean, I, if I turn to my right hand... What have I done? I'm walking in circles. If, oh, I'll choose my left hand. So if I turn to my left hand. Do you see what he's saying here? You say, well, I haven't quite got a clue, Pastor, what you're talking about. What he's saying in this is you stabilize your own emotions. Stabilize your emotions. Now, nobody can do this for you. You stabilize them. Now, a good place to start biblically is as simple as making your yes a yes and your no a no. Not a yes and a no and a no and a yes, but a yes, yes or a no, no. Everyone say no, no. I like yes, yes better. Remember when you, you, you know, every, every new parent, they always want their, uh, their, their words out of their child's mouth. They always want their first words to be either mama or daddy, right? You know what they are? No. <laughs> or no, no. They say that long before they pick up mom and dad. It's always no, no. Why? Because that's what that's been put into their heart. They, they, they see life as a no, no. No, thank you. And for some of us, it was more than all the time. I got thinking about that the other I thought about this early this morning. I'm, this has nothing to do with the message. But when I was in, in, in kindergarten, they had kindergarten in elementary schools in Indiana. And uh, I got to thinking about, you know, they had those mats. You don't remember them, but you had mats. And you had to lay down during kindergarten and take a nap. Well, I want to tell you, this boy was not ever going to take a nap. I must have been so out of control as a kindergarten because, I, you know, that life was, had too many adventures for me to lay down and take a nap. And I remember when they would call for the nap time, you have to throw out your little thing and put it on the floor. I, I mean, it was like, 
It was like a, it was it was like jail to me. And I just I, I almost I said if I could remember my kindergarten teacher's name I'd pray for her. <laughs> but now that I'm some, some over fifty years old, I probably she's probably already gone to heaven. But anyway, and she deserves it based on my anyway. Ah, he says, do, do not turn to the right hand nor to the left. Now, I looked at that because I got a little curious because I didn't understand it. The word turn in there means to spread out. Not in the, ter- not in the terms like what I was talking about in turning around in circles, but it means to spread out. So when he says, do not turn to the right or the left. What he's saying is, he says, don't get your life so thin that you can't can make it work for you. In other words, don't do more than you can do. Don't turn to the left or right. In other words, don't spread yourself too thin. Anybody been guilty of that one? I could point out a few people here. You know what? You hit the stress level button like big time when we don't when when you let life plan your life. You and I have got to have a, a set of predictable methods in our life so that we don't get spread out too thin. Because can you get the picture? He says, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. What do you you've got this double mindedness going on and you don't and you don't know what to do? Solomon say, no. Settle down, get quiet, and listen. And don't get bent out of shape. That's a Dietz translation. You know things that upset us a month ago or a year ago? Well, we can't even think what it was now. If you're a man, or women, maybe... So why get bent out of shape now? Why rush in like the bull in a china shop? Why fix it when it doesn't need fixing? Ladies. Husband's saying, hallelujah, he's talking about it. Because everything that goes on, she's saying, you need to fix that. You need to fix that. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Fix it. Take care of that child. Fix it right now. Now, it's not that we're not prolonging it, but you see, not everything needs to be fixed today because it's not that essential. Do you get the point? So quit running to the left and to the right and settle down and simply wait until you get further instructions from the master's hand. So... What am I, was he saying? He said, the yes, yes, no, no. When you make your choices, when you make your decisions, stick with what you said you were going to do. Now, this will drive some people crazy because they can't think that way. But my friends, if you're going to have a whole heart, you're going to have to make your yes, yes, and your no, no, and stick with it. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 15, he said, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Solomon said later on in Proverbs 13, he said, careful words make for a careful life. Careless talk 
may ruin everything. My friends, if you want to have a perfect heart, we're going to have to learn to stick with what we say and do what we say. Otherwise, it's going to drive you bananas. Some people in this room are way, way overcommitted. This is one thing I've said over years. Your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part. I love you, but you're going to have to work this out on your own. Some of you got budding adult children or adult children, and they drive you crazy with all those dumb, idiotic choices and decisions. My friends, you're just going to have to cut it off and say, baby, you're on your own. I'll pray for you, but I'm, I am finished. I am finished trying to help you out. Can I suggest that maybe that's the best thing that could ever happen when you kick out the props and get rid of the crutches? Maybe they'll actually make choices on their own and they'll learn how to become adult like you learned how to become adult. And maybe you put enough in them, they won't be as stupid as you were. Excuse my language. I don't always use that word, but you understand what I'm saying. I've never seen the movie. There's a movie called Dumb and Dumber. I don't know what it is, but I like the title of it. So, so, uh, so you know, maybe it's in reverse. Maybe you know you're thinking that that you may be dumb, but they're dumber. But actually, it may be the other way around. They, you may be the dumber, and they're just dumb. <laughs> careful words make for a careful life. Then the last thing he tells in this text is, you need. To remove your foot from evil. Run from evil. Now, how do you do that? I'm closing. How, how do you run from evil? Well, you won't run from it till you hate it. Until you hate evil, you can't get rid of it. Till you hate it, you'll never find deliverance. Till you hate evil, you'll never get your broken heart mended. You've got to hate it. That's the only way you can conquer evil in your life. If some of you are struggling with a sin in your life, don't, you know, you're, this is the typical prayer when we've got a sin in our life. Oh, Jesus, help me. I just don't want to do this anymore. I, I just, I, I know I should be doing better and I'm trying. Will you give me the Holy Spirit bigger time so that I won't do this again? No, you're going to have to call sin, sin, and you're going to have, you have got to hate it. Until you hate it thoroughly and completely, you'll not do a thing with it. So be careful when sin comes your way because it will snatch you by the neck and grab you up if you tolerate it for one second. You see, it's the, it's the hating of evil that dispels its power. So for those of you who have been struggling with a sin in your life, Hate it. Ask God, say, God, now I know you, you know, he does. Jesus, I know you hate this sin. Help me to hate it as much as you hate it. Amen. I believe you'll get your fix. So what are the four things we do to protect our heart? Watch your words. Mind your own business. Choose your path of life carefully. Stabilize 
your emotions. Stabilize your emotions. Everybody in this room has had issues with this. I'm going to talk about it. And we're going to close. And we're going to have a time of prayer. Because there are people in this room who have a broken heart. I'm not saying that it's dysfunctional, broken to the place you can't do anything with it. I'm just saying there's a, there could be at least an area in your life that's broken. And probably for a good reason. I, I made a list of things that, that could cause a broken heart. Your story would be different than mine. But I know, and I, I tell you this often because I have, when I prepare a message, I mean, I prepare it for you, but it ends up being for me. And like you, I have reason to have a broken heart. Do you? Has someone or something, a situation, has it broken your heart? Maybe, you, as I mentioned, someone left your life or someone's getting ready to leave your life or somebody promised to do something and you didn't do it and you've faced all these difficulties, maybe separations, the hurts and all the things that go along with life. Now, we can't escape those. But you don't have to live with a broken heart. And as I thought about this this morning early, scripture from uh, Ezekiel, God is speaking. He said, I'm going to seek the lost, bring back the scattered, mend the broken, and heal the sick. And often we offer invitations for backsliders to come back to the Lord, and maybe we should do that. We offer an opportunity for those who, who are lost to come to be found in Jesus Christ. And we often pray for people in their physical illnesses. But it's not often we ask for the mending of brokenness. Because, you see, you, can, you, on the out, you and I on the outside, we can function with brokenness. But doesn't mean we've dealt with it. Jesus came to make us whole. My wife mentioned that. And I believe there are people in this room today that there, 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 there could be hurts in your heart that have crippled you, that have tainted your choices, your lifestyles, because when you have a broken heart, it's like getting a cut on a finger. If you cut your finger and it's bleeding, what do you do? You put a Band-Aid on it. And I believe there are people in this room today that your heart's been bleeding. And maybe people know about it, maybe they don't. I don't know. But... God is offering more than a Band-Aid today. See, he doesn't want to stop the bleeding. 
He wants to mend the heart. And only he has the ability to do that with the surgical hands of the Holy Spirit. I, I picture this often. I see the hand of God reaching in to a broken heart that's been crushed by life, shattered in pieces. And here we are trying to pick up the little pieces so we can function when what he's always wanted to do was heal our brokenness. So I want everyone to stand. And I'm going to offer you this opportunity. We're not here to confess our issue. These issues. Solomon said the issues of life. We're, we, we don't want to know about your business, really. I mean, this is between you and the Lord, remember, because we're going to stay out of people's business. So we've gotten deliverance this morning. Mind your own business. But there are people in this room that not, you know that the Lord is speaking to you right now as I have been speaking. He's been pinpointing issues of life for you and saying to you, you need to confront this, you need to bring it out. You need to ask me to heal your brokenness. So here's what we're going to do. I don't know if one will respond or two. I don't know, whoever. But the Bible says there's such power in praying in agreement. And that doesn't mean I have to know everything about the story. Just enough to know that there's a broken place that needs to be mended. If you have a broken place in your heart, now I'm not saying it's even necessarily this totally shattered. There may be someone here that has a shattered heart. But you just maybe have a piece missing that's broken. And you want to have the Lord heal you. I don't know how he's going to do this. And it's no promise. So you have to go by motive. It's no promise that he's going to fix what caused the brokenness. Did you hear me? It doesn't mean that he's going to fix. Because see, what you want is you want God to fix the brokenness by fixing your situation. And God does not work that way. He heals without the necessity of healing the cause of the brokenness. So if you've got a wayward child that's broken your heart, if you come up here for the purpose of your brokenness, thinking that you're going to get your child back as part of the healing process, I can't promise you that. I'm just being honest. It's you he wants to touch and your broken place. Then you have to walk out in faith, trusting that God will answer your prayers and do what you need done in your life and that of whomever. So do you have a place of brokenness? If you have a place of brokenness, I'm going to ask you just to step forward a little bit towards this, the, uh, the podium here. And we're going to have, uh, my wife and I will pray, and if we need, we'll have a... Some of our life group leaders pray. But if you've got a place of brokenness, would you come? We're going to pray for you because I know the Lord will heal your brokenness. 
I mean, there's somebody in here that you've had a, you've had a broken place in your heart, it seems like, almost forever. In fact, there's, there's someone in here who had an incident as a child. You were actually in elementary school, and something happened, and you still remember the pain of that incident. And the Lord is going to heal you of that brokenness way back then. doesn't matter if you're 6 or 60 you've had an opportunity to be broken I'll give you just a moment and I'm going to ask some of the uh, life leaders if you'll come and help we're going to take a moment and pray and for those who don't that feel that you're whole then you can pray in the spirit and pray for a moment we're not going to spend it's getting late but we're going to spend we're going to spend enough time to get the job done okay it's going to be awesome. Awesome. And can I say this? I'm going to say this. I am not promising that after we pray that you walk away immediately fixed. The process will start. But you're going to have to do what Solomon was saying. You're going to have to take your mouth off of it. You're going to have to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And then you're going to have to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. And then you're going to have to do some more. But I promise you that today you can mark this day on December the 2nd, 2018, as the day that God healed your broken and my friends, I know how it hurts. And I know you're thinking, how can any good have ever come, would ever come out of this? I know that. But I understand how painful and how distracting it's been in your life. And I'm not here to give you any answers. We're here to go to the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who made you. Wow. The one who made you, built you before you were even in your mother's womb. He has the solution. And he knows exactly what you need to live free from a broken heart. I'm going to pray first of all. Now, I would assume that most all of this has to do with relationships. Right? It's relationships. Does it have to do with another person or persons? Okay. Let's do this first. You know what this is all about. Let's go through first, and then we'll have the life group leaders pray. Let's go through with a confession of forgiving. Can we do that first? And you say, well, I know I've forgiven already. I don't care. My friends, you've got to, I'm telling you, you've got, to, you've got to live a life of forgiveness every day. And it's a whole lot easier to say it than it is to live it. But will you, will you pray this prayer with me if you're sincerely desiring to be free from the bondage of a broken heart? 
Let's pray. Just pray out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today with a broken heart. Life has disappointed me. People have caused me pain. So, Lord, I come to you to forgive those who've done these injustices. I come to bring those who didn't know what they were doing. Today, I'm going to leave this at the altar. Lord, today I choose to forgive those who've hurt and broken my heart. I choose to release them. And you know how we do that here. I want you to take your hands and cup them together. And in your mind's eye, put their name in your hands. And it may be more than one. Now, Jesus, I call out their name. Say it again. Jesus, I call out their name. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.